morning, everybody. Welcome. Good to see you. Glad to be with you here at the beginning of 2019. Happy New Year. Uh, Has your New Year been uh, going well so far? So far? So how many of you have already broken a New Year's resolution? Be honest. Okay, okay. A few liars in here. We had a few who were honest in the previous service. I got some good news for you. A word of encouragement to you. If you have, as a New Year's resolution to attend church more regularly or to attend church regularly. Right now, you're perfect. (laughs) Right now, you're perfect. You have nailed it. So come back next Sunday and you'll be able to look down on all the other schlumps who weren't here this Sunday and you're like 50% ahead of them, all right? Okay, okay. Uh, On the topic of resolutions, I just want to double up on something Jan talked about, the Couch to 5K Experience. We actually did it for the first time last year, and so we're doing it. This is the second annual. We're going to do a run, a park-to-park run here in March, starting in our in our parking lot and then heading over into Pecos Park. It's going to be great. And uh, the preparation for that, the Couch to 5K, is led by our own Susan Loken, who's been a part of our church for a number of years. She has uh, qualified for Olympic trials. She is the real deal. She's an incredible coach. She can coach the elite runners, as well as people who have never tried anything like this before. So if this is anywhere close to being on a list for you, uh, as far as your uh, plans for 2019, please don't pass up on the opportunity to get this, this free, great coaching from someone who really does care about our community and uh, care about helping people participate in this kind of thing. So anyway, that's starting, I think, this Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. We'd love to see you. All right, today... Uh, we are starting a new series. No, we, we, the, the, the stage isn't just a big mess uh, because we didn't have time to clean it up. It's actually intentionally looking that way because we're doing a series called Cleaning Out the Garage. Now, some of you have a pretty spiffy garage. Okay, and I know that some of you, because I know we have one in our neighborhood with a super nice garage. Some of you have not only shelves for your stuff, but you have doors to cover up the shelves for your, so you don't have to see that clutter. And these aren't just leftover kitchen cabinets that you're reusing. These are customized garage shelves some of you experience. And some of you have, have epoxy floors in your garage that are perfectly painted with the fleck black and and gray, you know, and it looks just like your kitchen countertop granite, and it's about as clean as that, and it takes the shine of your brand new LED lights so beautifully in your garage. Now, some of you have a garage like that, and you make the rest of us sick, I mean, really, we are really not interested because I know what you do is you accidentally leave your garage door open so that people drive by and go, oh, wow, that is so, no, we, bleh, we, we're, we're, it's sickening. Most of you, I believe, have a garage like mine, okay? It is a functional garage, and what's beautiful about the word functional is that we can define that however we want because that's my garage. So if I want to decide to not allow a car to go into the garage, but it's functional because I got a bunch of junk in there or whatever, I can do that because that's my garage. Uh, most of us have a garage that is imperfect, but it, is, it is, is okay. Someday we'd like to really clean it up. Maybe we won't epoxy the floor, but someday we'd really like to make it look good. But right now it is a, it is a regular 
looking garage. Now, in the series starting today, you may have figured this out already, but I'm not talking about garages. I'm talking about garages, but I'm not just, you may have figured this, this out, but I'm talking about our spiritual lives. I'm talking about things in our life that have been stacked away on shelves in the back of a garage, left untouched, undealt with for way too long. And so what we're going to do as we go into this series is we are going to look at what it means to courageously clean out our spiritual garages and see what it would look like to have an epoxy floor spiritual garage, just to see what that might look like, because God wants the very best for us. As we head into that, as we start that off, would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you that you pursue us, that you love us. You don't just tolerate our our messy garages, but you continue to pursue us and to say, I have more for you. I want more for you. I I want to take you to a deeper place. So God, I pray that we would hear from you here today and throughout this series, God. We want to go with you to that place. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, let me, let me just kind of back up a little bit and share with you the reason that I wanted to tackle this series and go after this here at the beginning of 2019. A few months ago, my wife and I were hosting a small group at our house, meeting in our, in our backyard. And some of you with the journals have had small groups, you've been a part of small groups, and so we were hosting one at our, at our home. And it's a great group of people, terrific group of people. Very much enjoyed them, very much enjoyed our time together. And I remember one night particularly, it was at the end of our time together, and I just, I just asked the group, and I, I just went around uh, the group, and I just asked them one at a time if they would share a struggle that they were going through this week, something that we could pray about, something they could be honest about, and just say, what, what's going on? What's, what's something that we could pray about, some kind of struggle? And the first person responded and said, I'm good. Nope, can't think of anything, I'm good. And then the next person said, yeah, I'm good too, I'm good. And then it went around the whole circle, one at a time, people were just saying, you know, I, I can't think of anything, I'm fine, I'm good. And then I really realized the problem when it got to me and I said, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, can't really, I'm good. See, we, we, have, this, we have this tendency to be able to just kind of tolerate our garages for a long time. We, we have a tendency, just kind of this, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, now, it could be that the people in, in uh, this group are thinking they don't want to share anything because I'm a pastor and I might talk about it on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I don't know where they would get a ridiculous idea like that, <laughs> that I would talk about them on a Sunday morning. <laughs> but setting that aside, I think that we tend to struggle. It's not only just that one moment, but just in multiple conversations with many of you over many years, it seems that we struggle with the ability, the the willingness to identify some parts of our lives that are not in line with God, and and sometimes even even just the ability to, to see it that we can walk through a garage year after year after year and we just, we just walk over stuff and we just tolerate the mess in our garage. And we just, 
have to go sideways through, and, and we, just, we just don't think about it anymore. And we're not thinking, you know what, I should do something about that. We just kind of tolerate it, and we get used to it, and it becomes a functional garage, and we just say, well, that's just the way it is. But what I want to say is that God has something better for us, and I want us to be courageous enough to go after that stuff instead of just kind of dancing uh, uh, around the, the garage over and over again, that God wants something better for us. Now, uh, in this series, I am I'm not talking about the big stuff, okay? Uh, I'm not talking about uh, addictions. I'm not talking about illegal activities. I'm not talking about adultery, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a number of different uh, things that we could that we could go after. I'm not talking about those things. If we look at the metaphor of the garage, that those are not piles in the garage that are, that are in the back that we've learned to tolerate. Those, looking at that metaphor, those are more like a tree in the front yard that has fallen down and crashed into the living room. Okay, those are things that we cannot ignore. The stuff in the garage, we've learned to ignore. You know, we're, we get pretty good at it. And so somebody says, hey, is there anything about your home or your garage that you need to work on? No, I'm good. I'm good. It's all good. And we can say the same thing spiritually about so many of our parts of our lives. And just, say, just say, is there anything in your, in your spiritual walk, in your thought life, et cetera, that you need to work on right now? No, I'm good. I'm good. But when there's a tree that has crashed into your living room, those big issues, it's pretty hard to say, no, I'm good, I'm good. You, you're really good? I mean, there's, there's a tree in your living room and it's raining and the water is pouring into your living room. Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. No, we can't say that typically about the big stuff, but we've learned how to say that about the smaller stuff in, in, our, in our lives. Uh, and, so, and so what I want to do is I want to I go after this, these areas in our lives where we've, we've frankly, we've tolerated too much. But most of us here in, in the room here, we're doing okay, okay? Most of us here, you're, you, are, you have a, a perfect church attendance record so far in 2019. You're doing, most of us are doing okay. You're, you're not getting hammered on a regular basis. You're, you're, you're watching your language and you understand that the words that come out of your mouth, they, they flow out of what's going on inside and so you're careful with some of that. You, you haven't killed anyone. You don't steal very much. You're, you're just pens from work, etc. you know, so those kinds. But you don't have any trees. You don't have any trees, perhaps, that are in your living room, maybe. See, the deal with sin is that it has a powerful way of luring us into believing it's not that big of a deal. Those small things that are set on the shelf, deep in that we step over in the garage, sin has a way of just luring us into saying, hey, it's okay. Just let it sit there. It's not a big deal. It's just, it's just a piece of fruit. I mean, why, why not take a bite of the piece of fruit? What's the big deal? God, God's provided the fruit anyway. Why not just take a bite out of it? What's the worst that could happen? What Jesus says in the New Testament, I, I, this is my own understanding of it, because it's just spread out throughout the whole New Testament. Jesus, I think, basically says that the junk that is hidden in our garage is no less offensive to our Father in heaven than 
than the tree that has crashed through our living room. Wouldn't it be great if we could walk through a clean garage? Wouldn't it be great if we could just have the purity and the, and the, and the usefulness and the functionality of living a different kind of life? Wouldn't it be great to start off 2019 by addressing some of those things in the garage that we haven't even thought about for years? That's what we're talking about when we talk about cleaning out the garage. As we head into this journey, we're going to look at a verse, a very famous verse from 1 John chapter 1. This is a verse that, that some of you have already memorized at some point in your life, and our hope is at the end of our five weeks that all of us will have the opportunity to just embrace these words of John. John was one of the disciples of Jesus. He's referred to as the one whom Jesus loved. He was very close to Jesus. He wrote the Gospel of John. He also wrote later on in the New Testament, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, these smaller, shorter letters. In 1st John chapter 1, verse 9, he famously says, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, I want to ask you a few rhetorical questions. And by that, I, I just ask that you, you answer in your mind, but not verbally out loud. And, and most of us know the answers to these questions. Does God forgive sins? Does God forgive all sins? Has God forgiven every sin that you have committed? Everything? Has God forgiven every sin that you have not yet committed? Every sin from your future? Everything that goes against what God has designed for you, has God forgiven all of that already? If so, why would we confess? The answer to those questions is yes. But since the answer to those questions is yes, then why, why would I confess? This verse is an if-then statement. If we confess our sins, then, God, it doesn't say then, but it's implied, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. It's an if-then statement. If we confess, God will forgive those sins. What if we don't confess those sins? What if we, at the end of the day, forgot some of the mistakes we made that day? What if we're faithful every day before we go to bed just to say, God, search my heart. Help me understand all the ways that I've offended you or I've offended other people. And I want to confess everything. What about the stuff we forget? I mean, at the end of the day, there's so much going on. I had so many sins at the beginning of the day. That was 12 hours ago. How am I supposed to remember all of that stuff from the very beginning of the day? What if I forget one sin, two sins, 28 sins? Are those forgiven? What if, what if it's not even about me forgetting. What if I'm not even aware of the sins that I've made, of the way that I've offended people? This, sometimes, I can be sarcastic with people. That might be a little bit of a surprise to you, but every once in a while, there's a little bit of sarcastic edge that comes out. And some of you might be able to relate to this. Some, if, if you're a sarcastic person, sometimes conversations that you think are playful 
that you unintentionally hurt other people. And I've done that so many times, but I'm not even aware of it. What about ways that I sin, that I've hurt other people, and I'm not even aware of it? How am I going to get forgiveness for a sin that I obviously didn't confess because I didn't even know it existed? Or what about sins that we hide? And we're aware of them, but we just put them on the back of the shelf. I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, but I've got this thing, and I just put it on a shelf in the garage, and I know it's wrong. I know that it's not in line with what God has for me. I know that it separates me from God on some level. It's not good for me, but I just want to put it on the shelf. I'm not exactly sure what to do with it, but I know it's there. I just want to kind of keep it there. I'm not exactly sure. What happens to that sin? And how does that connect with the idea that God forgives all sins. He just, he just forgives it all. Why should I ask for forgiveness if God's already given it to me? Why should I ask for something that's already been provided for me? These are really important questions with regard to confession and forgiveness. And one way that helps me kind of break this down and, un, and, and tackle this really important question is to break forgiveness down into two different pieces. There's judicial forgiveness and there's parental forgiveness. Judicial per, uh, forgiveness is, is the kind of the big one. It is the one that is granted by God as judge. That when a person chooses to become a follower of Christ, when a person says, Jesus is Lord, when a person crosses the line from, I'm not sure who Jesus is, I'm seeking, I'm exploring, I'm having conversations, I'm reading, I'm going to church, but I'm not sure what this is all about. When a person crosses the line and says, I am a follower of Christ, when we cross that line, part of what that means is that God no longer sees our imperfection, our mess, God sees his son. That's what that means. When we choose Jesus as Lord of our life, God sees, because of what Jesus did on the cross, God sees the perfection of his son. That's actually why, you may not know this, but why some of the architecture of our building is the way it is. That we have a large white canopy that provides shade for the third level over the lobby area. But the idea, theologically, is that, that that white shade is a sheet. Imagine from God's perspective, God doesn't see us and our mess. God sees this white sheet of his, of his son's perfection. Paul in the New Testament, he's talking to believers and, and, and in Romans, and he says, therefore, now, now that you are a follower of Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, there's no condemnation. That is the judicial forgiveness that is just a blanket forgiveness over, over all things. Parental forgiveness is different. Parental forgiveness is offered by God as Father. And it is the more intimate relationship part. It is the ongoing relationship that we have with God. Not just God the judge who is just, who has to take care of, of grand, the grand issue of sin, but that same God is also Father we see in Scripture, a Father that we get to have an intimate relationship 
with. A father that wants us to continually confess and deal with junk in our garage. It's clearly laid out in Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament. The book of Hebrews, there's a large section in there that beautifully talks about the relationship between God as our father and us. And in in that chapter, the author writes that God disciplines those he loves. Okay, so God the Father disciplines those he loves. A loving father says, I can't let you get away with this. A loving father says, I care too much about you, about the junk in your garage, to just let it go away. I am going to be involved with this. I love you too much. That the discipline of God is evidence of his love. It's evidence of how much God loves us. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. The opposite of love is just saying, I don't care. I don't care about you anymore. That's the opposite of love. And God is most definitely not indifferent about our sin, about the stuff that we choose to just pack away in the back of the garage. He is not indifferent about that whatsoever. He cares very much about that, cares very much about every part of you. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, is written to believers, is written to people who, who have embraced the judicial forgiveness of God. And he's talking about the next step. This is about parental forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. It's, it's this next level peace. Do we want to just continue to stumble through the garage and kind of deal with all the stuff in there and just kind of, just kind of get by? Yeah, it's forgiven. There is a judicial forgiveness if you are a follower of Christ. But do you just want to get by? Is that the best that you could be? Is that the fullness of who you and I could be? Or are we holding back? Are we, are we kind of stumbling through life? Do you want to just get by? Or do you want to thrive in your relationship with your creator? Do you want to thrive in the time that we have in preparation for our eternity with the one who made us. Most of us would want to thrive. And if we want to do that, it's going to require us to be honest with God. It's going to require us to be painfully honest. Honest perhaps in a way we've never had before. It's getting beyond the response that says, I'm good, I'm fine. It's getting beyond that response, way beyond that response. It's going to require a level of of courage that perhaps we have never experienced before. What we're going to do in this series is, uh, somebody asked me after the last service, said, how did did you land on the seven deadly sins? Because we're going to talk about the seven deadly sins. We actually didn't start with the seven deadly sins. We just started going through a list of all of the things we tend to hide in our lives. The, the list that, not the big trees in the living room, but the, the kinds of things we tend to just stuff in the garage. And they started to break down into four different categories. And those four categories were four of the seven deadly sins. Are you familiar with the seven deadly sins? If you've seen the Brad Pitt movie, maybe you're familiar. 
But the seven deadly sins are not actually found in Scripture as the seven deadly sins. You're not going to find a section of Scripture that says here they are. It's actually part of the Catholic tradition. Uh, part of the, it's rooted in the Catholic um, journey and the Catholic faith. And, uh, and they are definitely, it's definitely comes from Scripture, but it's kind of taking a number of different lists of vices that we find in Scripture, and it was consolidated centuries ago to say, here are the seven deadly sins that we're going after. And we've, we've really identified four categories of things we tend to hide in the back of the garage, things like greed and pride and wrath and sloth. If you're familiar with the seven deadly sins, we are not doing lust. You're welcome. Because I know, I know lust isn't a big, I mean, lust is in, is in all of our garages, okay? So let's start with the four that are a little bit more manageable. Let's start with those, get used to this whole confession thing, and hopefully see how that rolls into every area of our life, okay? So we're not going to do lust, what we are going to do the other four. And it's going to require a significant level of honesty for us to go after this. Here's, here's something fascinating I learned this week, and it, it ties into the, the, the reality of honesty in this journey. The word confess here in this verse literally means to say the same thing. That's a little bit of a head tilt. It's a little bit of a head tilt. This was new for me. I, I didn't realize this. It literally means if you say the same thing about your sins. This is fascinating. Let me, let me walk this out for you for a little bit. Let's say, let's say, hi Cameron, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good, 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 good to see you. Uh, uh, so let's say that I came out here and I just had something going on with Cameron. And I went out and I just berated you and I just yelled at you and I'm the one with the microphone and so I just went after you and I just treated you terribly in front of all of these people and I just really went after you and yelled at you and treated you awfully. And then... I thought about what I did, and my response then is to say, oops, I guess I misspoke. I guess I was somewhat out of line. If I said that, would I be saying the same thing as Cameron about that moment that, that would have just happened? We wouldn't be saying the same thing, right? You would have a different story. You would go back and you would say, I don't know what's Alan's deal. Uh, I don't know what's going on. You would tell other people. You would put it on Facebook. It would be a whole issue. And everyone here, you would have your own version of that story because you were there and you wouldn't say the same thing that I'm saying about that moment. What we tend to do is water down our sins. So confess literally means to say the same thing as the people we've offended. And that's what, bring, that's what requires the honesty. And it's a powerful thing. It, it means we're not doing the wimpy version of saying, oops, I goofed. Oops, I slipped up. It's not, it's not saying, God, please forgive anything I may have done today that might have offended you or anyone else. It's not saying that. It's saying the same thing as the person we've offended would say about that situation. So that means that we are bold enough to say, I completely messed up. 
I absolutely treated you terribly. I am completely in the wrong. I was wrong. I knew it was wrong, and I did it anyway. I lied. Whatever the thing is, is you're shooting straight with it. You're saying the same thing as the other person would say on the other, on the other side. And it requires honesty. Sometimes painful honesty. So here's what we're going to do in this um, series for the next four weeks. Here's kind of the process. My wife and I literally cleaned out our garage a couple months ago. And when we did that, we went through a process that is probably similar to how many of you would clean out your garage. There's a three-step process that we would do. First of all, we would identify what's in the garage. So we would go in and you, you take every piece of the garage and you, and you put it out on the driveway. That's the way we clean our garage. Everything that's in there, everything on every shelf, get it out on the driveway, you identify everything that's in the garage. Secondly, you examine everything that you pulled out of the garage. So you take this out and then you examine every item and you say, what is this? And then, and then you say, when's the last time we used this? Why are we still having this in the garage? Can we get anything for it on Craigslist? Is it an electronic that is losing value as we just continue to leave it there stored in the garage? Whatever. You examine what's in the garage, and then when you're ready to, to, to go ahead and put stuff back, then you deal with items one at a time. You deal with it, and you say, okay, I've got to make a decision. Am I going to throw this away? Am I going to give it away? Or am I going to find the right place in the garage for this because I am going to use this? You've got to make a decision. So we're going to go through that same process as we walk through four of the seven deadly sins over the next four weeks. We're going to say, first of all, we're going to identify, we're going to be honest enough to identify that sin. Honest enough to say, to say God, am I saying the same thing about that part of my life that you would say? We have such a tendency to just kind of put a, have our own version of this stuff. But are we willing to be honest and say, God, is this a bigger part of my story than I'm willing to admit? So we're going to identify it. And then we're going to examine it. We're going to say, okay, this is real. This is, this, this is part of my life. Why? Where, where did this come from? How did, how did my story lead me to cling to this stuff, to use this stuff? What am I afraid of? What am I trying to hide by putting that stuff in the back of the garage? And then finally, we're going to deal with it. And hopefully what that means is these things that we're identifying and looking at and stirring up, we're not just going to go and put them in the same spot they were in the garage, but we're going to say, I'm going to handle that differently. I'm going to trust God with this and handle it differently so that 2019 is different. I'm going to do it in a different way than I have before. Some of you might be thinking, man, why are you so heavy, Alan? Maybe your first time was at, was at Christmas. And so, Alan, you went from Joe Christmas to whatever this is? That's a big jump. Joe Confession? That's a big jump. Why, why, why aren't you doing something exciting or fun to start off 2019? Well, I'm sorry, but I, I think this is a blind spot for many of us. 
I think many of us just kind of walk through our garage and ignore significant parts of our lives that our Father in heaven wants to offer deep healing in. And I think we have much to gain. I think many of, many of us in this room, we celebrate judicial forgiveness. We understand that and celebrate it. But we're not seeking parental forgiveness on a regular basis through confession. This series is not for those who want to come to church to feel good. This series is for those who want to come to church to pursue God. And so I really do care about you. I care about our church. I care about our journey. And yes, there's a time to have fun. And there's a time for us, hopefully, to passionately pursue God here in 2019. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us of unrighteousness. It's, it's tough stuff, but it's beautiful, and it will be worth it. I know every time we clean out the garage at home, I never want to do it, and then I'm super thankful I did it. My hope is that that's, that's what happens with this journey over the next four weeks. Would you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven, I, I pray for any in this room who have not yet experienced judicial forgiveness, any who are either unsure of what it means to be a follower or unsure whether they have experienced that kind of miraculous, beautiful forgiveness. God, I pray that the curiosity would lead to questions, would lead to conversations, would lead to a faith movement of saying, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want God not to see my mess, but to see his son's perfection. And I pray for any here who are followers of Christ, who perhaps have areas in our garage that, that have been a mess for quite some time. God, that we would be courageous over these next five weeks to, to offer those pieces up to you, that we would, we would look to you as our Father, that we would seek parental forgiveness by confessing intimately and honestly with you in ways that bring us freedom we perhaps never have experienced before. I pray that you would bless this journey, that we would come back on a weekly basis and encounter you, pursue you, we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.